Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, Tennessee Titans fans, to another episode of Believe in Titans podcast. We can call this the uh, the final episode, I guess, of the uh, of the off season program. The, uh, the the Titans players are now on their own from now until training camp, following the conclusion of a final week of OTAs. A little bit of a schedule change this year, there where the last round of OTAs came after mandatory minicamp and. Uh, uh, a number of high high profile players took advantage of the opportunity to uh, to skip out on a voluntary workout this week, or a couple of voluntary workouts, I guess. You know, some of them probably did, but uh, but that is their prerogative. We've gone through that uh, many times. Voluntary means voluntary, but uh, it's it's onward to. Uh, to training camp now and and we will look in that direction with our regular panel led by former titans cornerback denard walker denard how are you i'm doing good this evening david how you doing i am doing great uh nashville post writer john glennon john how are you i'm well hope you guys are also Good to have you in as always and i am uh i am david beauclair and let's let's sort of let's sort of start this one with a little bit of a review uh Going back to something we discussed last week, uh, DeAndre Hopkins was in town for a couple days early this week. He, uh, he 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 posted on Instagram his his revival when he was sitting in the the limo or whatever you want to call it, and there was a, a a welcome image on the screen there with that pictured him in a uh, in a Titans uniform. He's uh, he's also visited with uh, with the New England Patriots. Yeah. This week, uh, Bill Belichick uh, was was kind of vague when asked about uh, when asked about what was going on there. Although did confirm that they've had discussions with him as of now. Th- those are the only two teams we know that uh, that DeAndre Hopkins is talking to. So let's uh, let, let's go one on one here, uh, Denard. If you know what what advantages do you think the Titans have? over the Patriots in terms of trying to sign him? Where do you think the the Titans might have some issues with the Patriots here? Well, first of all, it's up to the player, David. You know, uh, D-Hop right now, uh, we know that you you and John alluded to the fact that he's looking for a certain amount of money uh, right now. And he's, what, 31 years old, entering his 11th season. So right now you don't know what's in a player's head. What he's looking for is he's, he knows he's at the end of his career. And if I'm D hop and if, if I'm Rand Carthon, first of all, what I'm going to do is do what a good general manager will do when I, when a high caliber free agent, uh, and he's visiting your organization. And I want to ask him this is what are you looking for? What are you looking for in an organization? What do we have to offer you? And first of all, if you're looking at D hop, from his situation, we know compensation is number one. That's always the key for a player. But, David, look at this. Um, we talked about last week, uh, we talked about I Am The Athlete, that podcast, and he was looking for He was talking about some of the 
um, things that he's looking for in an organization. He talked about defense being one of them. And what better way? You got the number 15 ranked defense, the number one team against the run. You just signed Jeffrey Simmons. You know defense is not an issue in Nashville. So when you look at it, uh, what about championship? We know that this is a team that's what – Last year, one game away, one play away from going to what their fourth consecutive playoff. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, a year removed from back to back division championship. A year removed, and, you know. And then, and, then yeah. David, and David and John, look at this. What you talk, and, and then consistency at the coaching position. Mike Vrabel is the model of consistency. And right now, if I'm D Hop, I'm saying, listen, who do they have on this team other than Traylon Burks? When I walk in here, I will be more than likely the number one receiver. So right now, I think it, it all adds up. What are you looking for? And that's a question that D-Hop has to answer himself. John, I, I mean, same thing, I guess, to you. Do you uh, do you see the Titans as a much better option than the Patriots, or, or do you see it as, as kind of a dogfight right now? I, I tend to see it as a, as a dogfight. Uh, you know, we, we referenced the one factor that, that seems to be weighing pretty heavily uh, with DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, so far in, in the fact that he has only visited the Titans and the Patriots, and that's familiarity. You know, he certainly has it with Bill O'Brien, who is the head coach of the Houston Texans. He has even more of that, you know, more more people in the uh, in the coaching structure, you know, with the Titans, with, with Mike Vrabel, who is with the Texans, Tim Kelly, who had led him to a, to a great season as an offensive coordinator. Charles London was the running backs coach there and is now the passing game coordinator for the Titans. So a lot of familiarity. I give the Patriots a little bit of an edge in cap room and maybe the money that they're going to be able to pay him, uh, certainly at least this year. Uh, as it stands now, Patriots are about 15 under the cap. Titans are about eight. That could change. You know, Titans could certainly change some things up. And also the Patriots have to sign their first and second round draft picks. So that's going to be a little bit of a drain there. Um, you know, quarterback, if you're a wide receiver, that certainly has to be a factor, right? Uh, um, and, and in my book, if I'm looking at the two quarterbacks right now, Ryan Tannehill is a proven commodity. Is, is he a top of the line uh, guy in the NFL? No, but but he's a solid Proven guy, you know, a consistent guy uh, who's shown he can get the job done more often than not. You're looking at Mac Jones, on the other hand, in New England. He's had two years in the league. His rookie year was pretty decent. His last year was not very good. So, you know, I, I think you look at that and you say, I'd rather have Ryan Tannehill of those two be throwing passes uh, to me. And then I think, like like you mentioned, Denard, I think it's interesting what – DeAndre uh, Hopkins might be looking for in the wide receiver room. If he is looking for, you know, does he want to be the main man? Does he want to be that 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 target guy? Then probably the Titans are his best bet. As we mentioned, you know, Burks and Phillips, all, all guys with some potential, but, but you know, not a big track record. Whereas if he goes to the Patriots, there's a little bit more experience there. You look at Devontae Parker, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and a few other guys. So he would be sharing the, the wealth a little bit. So does he want to have a little bit more talent in that wide receiver room? Or does he want to be the, you know, the, the recognized alpha, at least at this point uh, in his career anyway? So uh, that'll be uh, dependent on him. And then maybe one last thing. I don't know if this factors in a lot, but just in terms of um, where he'll be playing. Uh, and, and I say that for two things. One, the division 
the AFC East is going to be a little bit of a bear. And we talked about this uh, uh, last week. Uh, the AFC East is going to be mighty tough this year with Buffalo, with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Uh, Miami is, is, is loaded up to score all kinds of points. The AFC South is still the AFC South until proven otherwise. And then what I say also in terms of where he's playing, it's simply the region. DeAndre Hopkins is a South Carolina native, a guy who has played in some warm weather spots, Houston, Arizona over the years. Wouldn't he rather come to another warm weather spot, a place that's pretty close to his home in South Carolina? I don't know if I see D Hop being a, 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 a wintry uh, Boston kind of guy. Yeah, don't forget the New York Jets when you're talking about the AFC East. They're everybody's yeah, darlings this offseason. And, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to help them go undefeated there, I think. That's, uh, it's mm. all the, uh, it's all the, that they were missing it to read some of the reports. Yeah. When I, when I think about New England, I, I, I imagine Bill Belichick sitting down with him at some point and saying, look at what we have done with free agents, veteran, you know, some older guys in their career. When you when you talk about a, a a Randy Moss, for example, or a Corey Dillon or, you know, you know, guys like that where Belichick says, we understand how to use guys and, and help them, you know, when they're proven commodities, we'll we'll help them do what they can do. But those things happened, of course, to your point, John, when Tom Brady was the quarterback. Now, if you're if you're DeAndre Hopkins, you go into a situation where it's Probably Mac Jones, but maybe it's Bailey Zappi. You know, I, I mean, it, 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 and neither one of those guys. It maybe it's maybe it's one thing if you're planning to be there for several years, but by uh, but by all estimations, wherever he ends up, it's almost certainly going to be a one year deal this year. And so, you know, Ryan Tannehill is the Titans' quarterback for one more year. Why, you know, why wouldn't you if if it comes down to just a choice between these two? And and I'm I'm not convinced at all that's going to be the case. I, I think there's going to be more teams interested. But if it is a choice between these two, I, I think the quarterback thing is probably the the biggest factor. You you know what you're going to get in Ryan Tannehill. You know you you've got a guy who's uh who can throw the ball in spots that NFL quarterbacks need to throw the ball, who can read NFL defenses and 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 a guy you can build a rapport with over the uh, over the course of the year. And all you have to do is is look at what he did with with AJ Brown and say, "Yeah, if I if 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 I produce for this guy, he's gonna he's gonna feed me the ball. So it's uh I, it it's fun it's fun to watch Titans fans on uh, on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. There I I sense sort of this this cautious optimism where everybody feels like you know like nobody wants to think this is a this is a sure thing. But uh, but I I think I think people are looking at this right now, kind of going, you know what this this could really this could really happen. Yeah, and David, when you look at the film, like when defensive coordinators, when they're starting to get ready to play Tennessee next, let's say in 2023, and they're looking at the perimeter, they're going to look at Traylon Burks and they're going to say, you know what, he has the ability to top the defense. So what happens is he's going to garnish a lot of attention. So what that will leave D-Hop is with a lot of one-on-one matchups. David, you alluded to the fact that he's one of the best receivers when it when it comes to contested uh, uh, contested passes, he he goes up and get it. So if I'm D Hop, man, that's a great opportunity for me to be implemented into the game plan and not and, and to be a huge part of, of what the Titans are trying to do in 2023. 
I thought what's what's interesting too, and and again, David, as you mentioned, there's no guarantee that these are the only two teams that are going to wind up being the finalists. But as a, as it stands right now, these are two teams that have never really done spectacularly well with their wide receivers uh, in in terms of a a producing them, uh, b investing in them, or you know, or c valuing them. Um, you know, for for a long time, it was it was kind of the Patriots philosophy, well, doesn't really seem to matter who's there because we got Tom Brady throwing to him and he's going to complete passes anyway. Uh, and we all know the difficulties that the Titans have had in, in uh, finding uh, receivers. And, and that's why, you know, another reason it hurt so much when they traded A.J. Brown last year. But, yeah, the two finalists right now, you, you would hardly uh, categorize either one as, as you know, a wide receiver's dream come true. But, hey, it's all, it's uh, the uh, you know, Beauty's in the eye of the uh, the beholder right now. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I saw. I think it was CBS Sports had sometime in the last week. They they had the list of every franchise's all time leading receiver in yards. You know, ranked by their ranked by their total. And Ernest Givens for the uh, for the Titans Oilers, I think, was like number twenty seven on that list. I mean, the uh, you know the the, the Titans have. Uh, Titans have had a 10,000 yard rusher and 80 George have never had a 10,000 yard receiver. And it seems like, uh, it seems like that's a much easier mark to get to, uh, get to over time. Talking about Ryan Tannehill though, he, uh, he, he was a guy who was around through, uh, through the final week of OTA and, uh, and, and, you know, I guess this is, this is an interesting nugget. This is one of those things that, uh, that, that's fun for the off season, especially when you talk about, Traylon Burks a few weeks ago having to hire a pilot to fly him uh, fly him in to to make sure he got here on time. Ryan Tannehill now has a uh, pilot's license and is free to uh, fly himself wherever he wants to go. Uh, John, you you know you, you heard the story. What uh, what prompted that? What is what is he looking to uh, what is he looking to do by being able to take to the skies? You know, it, it sounds as if. And when he talked today, just a guy who was, was kind of, you know, interested in, in you know, a, a new little hobby, if you will. He said he really enjoyed it because it, it certainly made him um, feel very in the moment, you know, uh, present. Obviously, you have to have your complete focus on what you're doing when you're flying a private plane. And I, I think that's something that that he really appreciated and enjoyed um, you know, he said uh, uh, that Mike Vrabel, uh, you know, was supportive and and uh, Mike Vrabel kind of joked uh, about the situation later, later saying, you know, he, he sort of encouraged uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill to maybe fly some bigger planes. Hey, uh, why not? And and uh, we asked Mike Vrabel, uh, you know, would you be willing to uh, to go up with Ryan Tannehill? And it was a quick hell no uh, <laughs> from Vrabel. And he, and he said, uh, I've got trucks that are bigger than the planes that he's flying right now. Um, but, uh, but you know, Tannehill obviously feels very confident in it because the day after he got his license, he took his family up. He took his wife and, and two young children and had said he had a great experience up there. But I don't know, it, it kind of calls to mind the question, you know, you, you, you hear raised from time to time, you know, uh, should teams be concerned with what players are doing in the offseason when it when it comes to something like this? And, you know, I, I look back at, at an example of a standard uh, NFL player contract from a few years ago. I'm not positive it's, it's the same thing now, but um, but some of the sort of things that you're not supposed to be doing in the offseason, you know, it says 
uh, without prior written consent of the club, player will not play football or engage in activities related to football or otherwise than for the club or engage in any activity other than football, which may involve a significant risk of injury. So I guess there's a, there's a question, does flying an airplane involve a significant risk of injury? I mean, the, the thing is, if you're getting injured, it's really going to be pretty significant. So I guess it's the it's the whole, you know, what really are the chances of a of a plane go, going down? I, I don't know. It just seemed like a little bit lighthearted um, on on uh, on the part of the Titans today. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'd I'd be a little bit more concerned. I, I you know, what about taking up you know uh, billiards or or marbles or something like that in in the off season, Ryan, instead of flying a plane? But uh, hey, you know, uh, guy likes what he likes. Well, you know, Denard, the, you know, that like the subject of motorcycles is probably addressed by most teams uh, with players, right? And and uh, playing basketball and and things like that. How you know how seriously do players take those uh, those issues and the potential of getting hurt doing uh, doing something outside of uh, outside of football? Is is this you know is this something that that you would be concerned about if Ryan Tannehill was your teammate? Heck yeah. That's <laughs> in your contract. <laughs> it's in fine print in your contract. If you have an accident outside of the premises of where you work, you are responsible. What was the running back years ago? I think it came out of Georgia, the kid that blew out his knee, uh, having a great career, big running back. He Garrison Hurst? No, not Garrison Hurst. Garrison Hurst hurt his knee, but it was the other, after Garrison Hurst. He came in around 96 or 97. He was at the Pro Bowl and uh, tore his ACL, and he was never the same. Um, oh, gosh, what's the key? He was a great, great young running back. I think he had a, a monster rookie season, and he ends up uh, getting hurt at the Pro Bowl. They were playing, uh, was it flag football? In the yeah, sand, sand, sand football, sand right? Sand football, yeah, yeah. and tore his uh-huh. knee up, and Robert – Oh boy, I sure wish. I oh, Robert Ed- Edwards. Robert Edwards, yeah, yes. yeah, you remember him? Great yeah. back, great yeah, back. That, that's that's right. Uh, I'm just I'm just looking it up. There it is, Robert Robert Edwards. Robert Edwards. God, he was having a heck of a career and tore his knee up uh, playing um, flag football uh, in Hawaii at the Pro Bowl. Fifteen hundred total, a little over fifteen hundred total yards and uh, and thirteen touchdowns as a rookie and uh, a monster. Yeah, never, uh, never, never, never do anything again. Never but like, I mean, do guys do guys talk about that on their way out the door for the summer? Like, you know, yeah, you know, what, it, it, like, like, hey, like, like when you were a young guy, did Blaine Bishop come to you and say, "No basketball, young man"? No, you know. That David, sort of thing. what a wonderful – I love that question. Let's not forget, do you remember when Marcus Robertson was in the motorcycle accident? Oh, yeah. Us, you remember that? I do remember that now. Yeah, you and he was uh, out. And you know what? There was a lot of speculations. Uh, and I remember when he, he when he hurt himself in the motorcycle accident, he had to have all of those stitches and things. I remember, yeah, I remember his face was scarred yeah, up pretty good. Disfigured. And, and I remember – there was a lot of talking going around was what, what was, what, what's going to happen with Marcus. Now all of a sudden he's hurt at a pivotal time when we need him. This was around the playoff times when he got hurt. What was that? Uh, oh gosh, I want to say before the Super Bowl, he was ruled out. 
And it was well. No, that was with the broken leg in the Jacksonville. That was the broken game. leg. Okay, I forgot. Yeah. But he did have the motorcycle accident. I think that was the. Season. I think the motorcycle accident was the next season. Okay, but you know what I'm saying is that as players, we know that when you go do, like you go play a game of pickup basketball, you tear your ACL. That's on you. That means that your contract can be voided. And so one of the things my agent would always tell, he told me, he says, Denar, whatever you do, you have to make sure you take care of yourself because you, if you do anything, you go get a motorcycle, let's talk about this. And that's something that uh, I'm sure uh, Mike Vrabel and Ron Tannehill, uh, you know, they had that conversation. But I think Ron will be okay, David, as long as he don't uh, go to Cincinnati. You know what? It was 1999. It was right before the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he uh, and he played great in those playoffs. I remember, uh, uh, you know, the before the before he got hurt in the Jacksonville game, he was having a terrific game. But 150 stitches to uh, to close facial cuts. Uh, he didn't and, have a helmet on. That's what we was getting on him for. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Tennessee didn't have a helmet law at that time, so. Uh, that uh have a seatbelt law back then. <laughs> that'll that'll do it to you. Um yeah, what's 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 interesting to you uh you were talking about um uh, you know who who might end up uh, or or who has confidence in him or who's worried about his flying and and Ken Hill was talking today about uh um you know he, he was asked uh, you know are you going to take any of your guys up for a spin that kind of thing and he said he first uh, you know first question went to Traylon Burks uh, of course, because Burks, you know, just uh, just recently, of course, took that Cessna private plane in from Arkansas to get into to Nashville on time from the OTAs, and, and uh, he said Traylon was like, ah, you know, I think that was just a one time thing. I, I I don't think I'm up for for anything more than that. Um, and then he said, uh, you know, he kind of tossed a question around the room a little bit more, and you know, anybody else interested? And and he said he got a whole lot of uh, yeah, 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 but. Not a lot of firm commitments uh, at this point, so he's uh, he's still wondering who will be the uh, who will be the first to go up with him. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious too. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's six foot five, right? I mean, I don't I don't envision those things having a lot of headroom either. That I mean, I I kind of feel like he's being being squeezed in there a little bit. But uh, um, while we're on the subject of quarterbacks. Uh, you know, one thing that has come up this off season through workouts that that people have been able to see and whatnot is the is that rookie Will Levis can throw the ball. He he's got a strong arm, no question about it. There is uh, th- there is some some concern, maybe some wonder, if you will, if uh, about about does he have touch? You know, can he does he know when to sort of back off his fastball a little bit and, and throw a change up or, or or can he learn to do that? And and Denarda, as I was thinking about this, uh, you know, Steve, you, you watched Steve McNair go through the same sort of process. right? I mean, there was there was zero doubt about Steve McNair's arm strength when he came into the league and you come in a couple of years later. And, uh, uh, you know, when he was becoming a starting quarterback, how, how, did he struggle with that? Is, is that a hard thing for a quarterback to learn in this league? It is. It's control. It's all about control. It's about accuracy. And it takes time. Let's not forget when Steve came in, Chris Miller was a starting quarterback in 95. And and then they ended in up. In 96, yeah. 96, yeah. They went with the veteran. And you know what? That, that happens all the time. David, we talked a few podcasts ago about a lot of young quarterbacks when they first come into the NFL, how they struggle. We talked about Troy Aikman. Just, it, it wasn't just the record. 
but it was, you know, their performance and the throws. We talked about John Elway being the first pick in the 83 draft. He struggled his first year in Denver. Dan Fouts, the greatest charger of them all. He struggled the first year. Paid Manning with all of the people. What did he throw about 100 interceptions that first year? <laughs> uh, and, you know, one name came to mind. It was a young man from Oregon. I, I go way back. Uh, the kid was taken by uh, Cincinnati. Uh, Achilles Smith. Achilles Smith. And he had a David. He had a cannon of an arm. The problem is, is he would throw so hard that the receivers literally would drop the ball. And I remember one time we was playing him, and he threw a slant right to me, and the ball went right. Well, of course, a lot of the balls went through my hands. But it, it was it was so. What they had to teach him was to kind of you know let off a little bit, pull off, you know, and that's something that. Um, again, Will's got to learn because he's a big guy, 6'3", 231 pounds. What, he can throw like 80 yards down the field? That's, yeah, have, that's the word. Like he can throw it 80, 85 yards yeah, in the air apparently. But he's got to learn something that all great quarterbacks, they, they always tell you, touch. You got to learn that touch, David. Until he learns that, I, I, it's going to be a struggle in him getting on the field. I was going to say, you know, we referenced Steve McNair. The, the best thing McNair learned was – Throw it to Frank Wycheck right across the line of scrimmage there. You know, he, he's sitting down in his zone. You don't need to knock him over with it. Just get the ball in his hands and keep the, uh, keep the chains moving. And then Derek Mason was sort of, sort of ran a lot of those same routes. I mean, that was, uh, that, that sort of became, that sort of became his thing. John, you know, how much, uh, how much did you witness coaches sort of working on that with him, talking about it? Do you sense that it's a uh, it, it's sort of a daily conversation for him right now? Yeah, I, I do think that, and and you you do notice that uh, you know a, a bit in in some of these workouts that we watched here during the off season. That generally, when there are inaccuracies, it's on those those passes where there is a little bit more you know touch uh, involved. When he when he has to hum that ball. Over the middle, and we saw it a lot in, in Kentucky, uh, you know, last year too. You know, he, he made some incredible passes. I can remember seeing a lot of clips on like third and long um, that that he came through on, just because he could rip that ball twenty yards downfield, no problem. Um, but yeah, it, I think Tim Tim Kelly, you know, used that familiar baseball reference, kind of saying you have to have more than one pitch uh, in your in your repertoire. You know, the, the fastball is great but you have to be able to use the change from time to time. You have to be able to know when to use the change from time to time. But then, you know, what was also interesting too, is in talking to Levis uh, the other day afterwards, and, and, you know, we kind of asked him about uh, the, the velocity question and the accuracy question. And he, and he said, you know, in the days and the weeks uh, leading up to the draft, he said he was really working on, on touch uh, you know, and, and taking a little bit off some of the, the ball and, and that kind of thing. And he said, then he found himself in kind of a, you know, I think it was a red zone drill here during the off season, uh, you know, and, and, and maybe he tried to put a little bit too much touch on it and didn't work out. And he said, who of all people comes up to him afterwards, uh, but Mike Brable and says, look, in a situation like that, just, just rip the damn ball. What are you, what are you doing out there? You know, what are you, what are you trying to throw this, uh, this put too much touch on it, whatnot, you know, just, just come and get it in there. So a little little bit of conflicting uh, advice, but I think everyone, you know, and, and Ryan Tannehill talked about it today. He said that's usually a developmental process uh, in the pros. It took him a little bit of time too, um, but certainly, you know, uh, Will Levis. There there was a little bit of an accuracy question coming into this league, and most of those the uh, the, the questions came up on throws where he was trying to uh, 
to loft it, place a little bit of touch on the ball instead of trying to hammer it. Yeah, and, and I and I suspect what we'll see early in, in the preseason, and and again probably if if he gets the the chance to get some meaningful minutes in the regular season, I think back to Jake Locker in 2011 you, you know you just sort of you just sort of need to play through that as, as a quarterback the the first time you get on the field first few times whatever as an NFL quarterback you you can tell things are happening fast for these guys and and whatever they've been working on in their footwork whatever they've been working on in their arm angle all that stuff goes out the window for a period of time because you're just trying to process what you're seeing and and you're not thinking about this other stuff I, and I remember I remember Locker distinctly in 2011 in in a regular season game in uh, in Atlanta which was which was first time he got meaningful minutes uh Matt Hasselbeck got hurt I believe that day and and Locker came in and it was fastball after fastball after fastball and uh and, and you know it was impressive in a way to see him to see him just zip the ball over and over again but you you know you were thinking oh my god this guy needs to you know this guy needs to just dial it down a little bit and it, you know nobody you know Jake Locker's not going to go down as the best quarterback in in franchise history by any stretch of the imagination but you know over time the more experience he got you 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 could see him sort of process through all that and, and understand. So, uh, uh, you know, and by all accounts, Will Levis is a very, very smart guy too. So, uh, so I, I don't, I don't imagine that will be a problem for him. So. David, David, you know, a good thing Will needs to do, he needs to go back and look at those old uh, NFL films and they had one on John Elway and they had the receiving court when he first got into camp and they was, you know, had Vance Johnson, Mark Jackson and Ricky Natil. And he said that when John Elway, when he first came into camp, those guys were so scared to <laughs> catch the ball because he threw so hard. So John had to learn to take something off the ball. Could you imagine your receivers are afraid of you if they're going to like run a slant just because they think that you're going to break or split their fingers? Well, you would get the Elway cross. Remember, they talked about yeah. the Elway cross. The ball would hit the nose of the ball would hit them in the chest, and they'd get this little T-shaped yeah. seam, you know, from the seam of the balls. They, you know, where it was, where, where the ball would kind of give them a give them a mark. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, they, and that's a guy who certainly figured out how to make you know all the throws. I don't think uh, I, I don't think anyone doubts that when it comes to John Elway as. Uh, as we get to the end here, I want to, uh, you know, last week we talked about position groups where you have the uh, the, the most concern or, or areas uh, on this roster where we were where we were most concerned. So let's uh, let's flip that. Let's get a little more optimistic today, John Glennon. Uh, as you look at this roster now at the end of the off season, where do you see? Where are you most confident? Where do you think? Uh, where do you think Rand Carson can say? We're good. Let's just get to training camp here. Yeah, I'll take a quick look at at, at a couple. One, you know, maybe made a bit as obvious, but I think anytime you have Derrick Henry in your backfield, it, you probably got to feel good about the running back situation, no matter who the heck else is in the running back room. But that said, um, they have been using a lot of Tajay Spears here in the offseason. He looks to be like a very versatile guy he, he looks like he's really going to be at, able to add something to that room be the be the scat back guy and also contribute i think otherwise so i like that room uh even more so now with with the addition of tajay spears and maybe you know it's tough to go wrong with the with the d line on the on the other side of the ball uh you know not only do you have a jeffrey simmons back 
but he's fully healthy. He is fired up. He's got a new contract. He's a happy guy. Um, you know, you've got Tier Tart, who really seems to be taking strides it's about every year now, I think is, is a lot better. And we talk about the guys that are sort of rotating in, you know, whether they're edge or whether they're D-line, Danico Autry, Arden Key, uh, you know, really give you a lot of versatility there. You may not have quite uh, the depth. You know, you lost a couple of guys like uh, Demarcus Walker and Mario Edwards, who were both very good last year. But I still think that 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 front group is really going to be tough, um, you know, especially to to run against coming up. Yeah, D- Denard, uh, is is there any better position group, any any better part of this roster right now than the than the defensive line? No, I got to go with the running backs uh, I, again because you bring back arguably the best back in the league. Uh, you talk about Pro Football Focus has the King ranked second behind Nick Chubb, and that's a close second. But David, I'm going to pay pay close attention as a former secondary guy to the secondary, this especially the safety position. And I want to see how Elijah Moten's going to work out as safety because they're thin back there. We don't know the situation with KB. We don't know what's going to happen with the Marshall. And I don't want boy if something happens to Amani and Kevin Byard, are you are you sold on the fact that Josh Thompson and Mike Brown can be uh, those guys that step in and play big. And I, I don't know, David. So, again, it's going to be how uh, Elijah Moe evolved in changing positions in 2023. Well, and and the good news is that, uh, you know, presumably they don't need Elijah Molden at uh, at cornerback. When you when you talk about uh, when you talk about having Christian Fulton when you and uh, and Roger McCreary back, you, you know, you're going to. You're going to see what you have in Caleb Farley once again. Um, you've got uh, you've got the 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 free agent. Uh, oh God, Murphy Bunting. Say, Murphy thank Bunting. you, God. Yeah, was, yeah. Sean Murphy Bunting is his name just flew out of my head. So you know, underrated and, and certainly in my mind, you know, not as good as the defensive line. But but I'm okay with the the inside linebacker group too. When you talk about Aziz Al Shair. And Monty Rice, I, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement about Monty Rice and and what he can do as a, as an every down linebacker for this team. Uh, we should note, by the way, David Long got hurt in Miami again. By the way, is missing uh, missing time here the last couple of weeks. But then, uh, you know, Chance Campbell, a guy who they were really excited about after the preseason last year, last year's seventh round pick, uh, ends up on injured reserve at the start of the regular season, missed the whole season. Um, you know he he's going to be back in that mix, and then the guy who who got his opportunity because of injuries last year and and got a lot of love, Jack Gibbons, Doctor Gibby, is uh, as Mike Vrabel called him, an undrafted free agent, but but you know a, a smart guy. You know you think about Brad Castle for this team back in the day, who was an undrafted free agent and and ultimately became the starting middle linebacker. You look uh, more recently at. Uh, uh, oh, Robert, uh, what's his name? It ended up as a starter with the the Steelers the last couple of years after uh, after coming into camp as an undrafted rookie for the the Titans here, uh, and, and they they ultimately couldn't hang on to him. So uh, between those four, I, I you know that the depth at that position was really tested last year between Jayon Brown and David Long and. And Rashawn, well, two years ago, excuse me, Rashawn Evans and, uh, you know, those those guys consistently getting hurt. Cunningham didn't, you know, couldn't get 
past injuries last year this uh you know it's it's sort of a fresh group but i but i think it's a it's a group that you can feel okay about even though there's you know there's not a lot of uh, a lot of production outside of the the free agent there did david long is it soft tissue uh it was uh I don't, I don't think Mike McDaniel said, I'm trying to remember. Cause that was, that was when I started reading, it, I was like, Oh my gosh, tell me it's not a hamstring. And I don't think it was a hamstring, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was some news this week. So uh, you feel bad for him. Yeah. David Long's good guy and, uh, and a good player when he's healthy. So like, that quick, is going to do it though, for this edition of the believe in Titans podcast, uh, Denard Walker. Thank you as always. Thank you. John Glennon. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And thank you, everybody, for listening, for downloading, for telling your friends. And uh, look for us to be back next week with, uh, with another edition of Believe in Titans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.